just get out there and do it. We all have doubts every day. Every day you wake up, you're going to have doubts. It's whether you let them control your life. You cannot let them control your life. You just have to plow through it. Fake it if you have to. You get up and you be an actor that day. You say, I don't have any problems in the world today. I'm going to put that on my mind and I'm going to fake it. And you know what? You fake it long enough, you're going to be through the doubts. The doubts are gone. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. And I'm really excited today. We're joined by Glenn the Geek from Horse Radio Network. Glenn, welcome hey, to the show. Good to be here. So today we're live from PodFest, which is in Tampa, Florida. And it's uh, my pleasure to get a chance to sit down with you. You just finished your opening keynote for the event. And it was powerful. Did it suck? Is it, it good? Oh, okay, good. I was <laughs> laughing and I was also taking notes. And some of the notes I was taking was actually funny. It wasn't just specific to the topic of your session. You talked about something that cracked me up. We're going to kick off with this. Okay. What's your strategy for Walmart? I think this is so funny and I want people to know about this. When you shop for groceries, this oh, is hilarious. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I hate people in the aisles when I'm especially going to the grocery <laughs> store. And I live in Ocala, Florida, which is the retirement capital of the world. Well right? said, yes. So everybody's over 85. And I tell you what, there's nothing more annoying than 50 over 85 people in the aisle. You just can't get through. So I go at six o'clock on Sunday morning. I listen to podcasts on the way, podcasts on the way home, and I go at six o'clock on Sunday morning. That's when I go. And there's hardly anybody there. No, there's you nobody get there. It's in, me, the stocking you get what you people. Need, you get out. And they must be trained to say hello to you because I get a thousand good mornings when I'm there at six o'clock in the morning. But it's better than fighting with the seniors in the aisles. But my wife has made a joke to me many times. She's like, the only time I'll go to Walmart's like, Monday morning because not all the riffraffs there. <laughs> and before I get busted for senior bashing, yeah. I'm one of them. I, I, I'm oh, up yeah. there. Well, it's not the seniors. You get like <laughs> some of the crazy. Oh, me You've seen these pictures online. And yes. stuff. You get some interesting folks. <laughs> but I love that strategy. I think that's great. Glenn, I know about Horse Radio Network. There's obviously a lot of people that don't. So if you'd be willing, I know this is a lazy question. I don't intend it to be a lazy question. But for those that aren't familiar with Horse Radio Network, let's take a snapshot. Let's talk a little bit about what you've developed over the last several years. It's turned into something that's Exciting for you and your wife and your business that you're running. Yeah, we, uh, the Horse Radio Network is the largest podcasting network in the horse world. We reach people in 90 countries, countries I didn't even know had a horse, or <laughs> apparently listen, and apparently they all speak English. I never got that either. But so we have nine different shows that we do now. We put out about uh, one of them, two of them are daily. So we put out 20 some episodes a week. My wife and I are full time. We just hired an editor. We've been doing everything ourselves all these years. For the last eight years, we have uh, 4,500 episodes now, and I've interviewed over 6,000 people. That's incredible. And this is a a business that you run full-time, so it it is something that you've turned into a thing that that sustains you. That's right. Which is absolutely amazing. Now, am I making the most money I've ever made in my life? No. I was in financial sales for a long time, and I've made more then. Am I having more fun than I've ever had in my life? Yes. And one of the things you said in your presentation that, that I think and I hope that people don't miss is this idea of this isn't necessarily the easiest thing. And you're putting in a lot of time and you're focused heavily on relationship building. And that with a smart strategy and a plan over time has played out. So let's talk a little bit about the beginning of not having this extensive network, not having this tons of experience and not having this massive audience and how that over time has developed into a full-time opportunity for you and your wife. It's all about relationships. Everything we do in life, people don't realize that they're selling every day. You're selling yourself. You're selling something every day. You walk. You're selling at work. You're selling every day with everything you do. And that selling is all about developing relationships. I taught sales for a lot of years, so I have a little bit of an advantage with that. But it's building a relationship and dripping on people. I talk about dripping a lot. 
because you're going to drip on people. You're going to make a contact. You're going to talk to them, not about what you're selling. You're just going to make them. You're going to become friends with them over time. And then eventually you're going to get around to talking about what you could do for them or what they could do for you. And that's where the sales process goes at the end. That's the end of the sales process because then they realize that, hey, you can be some benefit to me because that's all we really care about. So it's that constant developing relationships. We are intentionally on our shows non-confrontational. Ours is a positive, upbeat show. All of them are positive, upbeat. We don't do confrontation in any way, shape, or form. And that's because that's what I like. I like to be surrounded by positive things. But it comes across to the sponsors too, that we're there developing lasting relationships also with our listeners. So we have the relationship with our listener. We have the relationship with the sponsor. And it all comes together on the mic. Would you be willing to share a specific example of that relationship building and how that has opened up opportunities for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole ton of them. I, my hosts are one of them. We have 20 hosts and you know they've all come on board. as I start all my hosts as guests and I see whether they're going to be good on the air. And then I, I ask them to be a host. So we start with that. Let me give you another example here. You gave an example in the presentation, actually, and you had a great video testimonial of someone who's... Karen. You've had a relationship with yeah. Karen. Let's talk about Karen Okay, for a Karen with uh, Kentucky Performance Products, my first sponsor. We had about 100 listeners. And I went to her. I didn't know her. I was referred to her. So I walked into her office and I said, hey, I'm Glenn. I'm going to be doing this new radio network. We're going to be the biggest thing in eight years. <laughs> We're going to be the biggest thing uh, in horse world. And I was passionate about it. And she got that across in the video, I think. I was passionate about it. And I said, but we want to do... And I say this to my sponsors today. I do not want a sponsor that's going to hand me money and disappear. We need to have you involved in the shows. We need to have you involved in our life because we want to be involved in yours. This is a partnership. It's a marriage. It's not you giving us money to do a service for you. If you're going to be that kind of sponsor, I tell them this. I do a negative close. If you're going to be that kind of sponsor, I don't want you because that's not the kind of sponsors we're looking for. We're looking to come for the kind of sponsors that are going to help us grow the Horse Radio Network while we help you grow your business. And we develop, that's the relationship we want with our listeners and with our sponsors. Glenn, it seems easy to say what you just said from a position of power, meaning I've got a lot of brand I recognition. Didn't, I didn't then. So how did you say that when you didn't have I, that? Just that way. I, now that, I, is that an overconfidence thing? Is that a... No, some people would be like, well, that's ridiculous. You don't have anything. Do but you they believe did. in yourself? You can believe in yourself, but then no, some people could then, say, well, uh, you, you don't really have any social and, uh, proof. There's, you don't there's have... where I disagree with you a little bit. Oh, no, and I, no, no, I okay. want you to. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I want okay. to talk about. If you believe in yourself, if you truly believe in what you're doing, they will believe in what you're doing. If that comes, I hope it came across in the talk today. I believe how did, much yeah. I believe in what I'm doing and how much I believe that we're doing good for our listeners and for our sponsors and for ourselves because we love doing what we're doing. That comes across in a sales presentation. When I was selling securities, I also did the same thing. I had a little bit of money. I didn't have a lot of money. I had a little bit of money in every product I sold because I wouldn't sell it unless I had money in it. It was the same thing. It came across. They believed in me. They didn't invest a hundred grand with me because they were really buying the product. They were buying me. And that's the same thing. It's no matter what you're selling in life. It's the same thing. They're believing in you. As a salesperson, you're selling you. I don't care what the product is. So, Glenn, we have a friend here. I'm going to incorporate her in the, yeah, in the interview. Come so, uh, come on over here if you would. Uh, we have Ronica Richardson. Ronica, for people that don't know about you, tell us real quick about yourself. 
Hi, uh, my name is Renika, and Renika. Uh, that's okay. Everybody does it. Uh, <laughs> I'm the uh, CEO of Elegance Cleaning Service. It's a national cleaning and maintenance company, and uh, we don't do much with horses, but <laughs> I'm learning from you, Glenn. I can give you a manure fork <laughs> if you like. <laughs> I'm learning from you, Glenn. That's why I'm here. I wanna, I wanna see what you're. What you're doing, I, your business, I appreciate it. Your business could so benefit from everything that we have done. You're in a kind of parallel business. You have a lot of little companies that are in that small to medium range that provide products, maybe one-off products. You have so much opportunity in this business. Yes, you yes. really do. That's why I'm here, learning from the best. I'm gonna do it. Uh, so, uh, what advice, based on the limited knowledge you have of Veronica? Ron- I say that Veronica. Based on the limited Renica. knowledge you have, what, what's one thing or two things that you would say that it might be helpful to what she's up to? Your sponsors are going to be small to middle-sized companies who are trying to grow their businesses. They can't afford a lot of advertising. They can afford you. And what you have to do is that was what I was just talking about. You have to talk to them about how you can help build their brand, what you're going to do for them. But in turn, you want them to help build yours because they have a following. They already have people that love their products. They're going to be advertising your show. You're going to truly build this together. That's what happened when we, when I started with my first sponsor. They had tens of thousands of people they had sold to and they went out and told everybody about our show because they were proud to be a sponsor. Our sponsor was the main reason our show started taking off is because they were promoting it. You really have to go in with the attitude that you're going to build this together. You're in an industry that you could start your show with a sponsor, which doesn't happen very often. You could start with a sponsor and build this together and truly sell the idea that we're going to build this baby together. You could do that in your industry. And there's, you're in a niche. I love niches. The smaller the niche, the more money there's going to be in podcasting. It's the niche people who are going to make the most money in podcasting, especially going forward. Well, you know, the cleaning industry is a $65 billion a year industry, and it runs the gamut between residential, commercial, and then everything in between. And I think that if we, you know, partnering with people like you and other, other podcasters and other networks, I think we're definitely going to build something that the industry is going to come to. You know what you have to start off the show with every... My mind's going a mile a minute now because I'm, I'm so excited about your opportunity. That's why I'm here. You have to start the show off with the funny story of the week. Oh, and it, a lot of those. Yes. You're in the cleaning industry. Every <laughs> one of these people has a funny story of who they walked in on, what they've seen. You need to start. It's very short, one minute or two, but that starts every episode, the funny story of the week. Done. I get, or end every episode with it and make everybody listen to the end. That's what we will <laughs> Either do. Either way. That's what but, we will do. I'm learning from the best. Yeah, so I, can't, I gotta take you that advice. You can do advice. so many segments, and there's oh, there's so much opportunity because there's so many products. Would you be willing to share maybe one takeaway you've had since you've been here so far? Well, my biggest thing is quality content and sound. Of course, you know if you're gonna have a, a network or a radio show or whatever you're gonna do, you gotta have good content. So I'm focused on that, and I think everything else will come. The sponsors, all of that. I just think if you put out a quality product and you're smart with your business strategy, then everything else will just line up. And uh, I believe in that. That's what we do in our current company. You know, we, we provide a quality service and we don't have to ask for business. It just kind of, it comes our way now, just like you. What would you have to say to that, Jared? I love your suggestion of giving the story. I think people love stories. They relate to it. And obviously quality is important, but when you can have that human factor involved, which was a great suggestion. I think you're going to have a recipe for something that people enjoy listening to and then they can relate to you as well. And I was wondering if you have just one other tip that you'd share, best advice in terms of quality. You know, we, we believe in entertainment first, education second. 
when I looked at what was available in the horse world when we started, it was all very serious, dry training stuff. And I was bored to death. I got two minutes into it and I was done. And I came from the entertainment background. I was an actor and had an acting company for 10 years. So I came from that background. We believe in education through entertainment. If you entertain them, if you keep it fun, if you keep it human, our hosts tell their most personal stories on the air. And the listeners just live for that. And they become involved emotionally in those stories. You can do the same thing, even in an industry which could be boring, right? I mean, they're cleaning and It's not sexy, but I'm going to make it sexy. Exactly. But that's the key. (laughs) And that's why I believe you're going to succeed is because you understand that it still has to be entertaining. These people all have a sense of humor. They spend a lot of time alone. (laughs) And by the way, you're a listener. What a great listener. My people spend a lot of time alone in the barn. Your people spend a lot of time alone doing their jobs. You have a perfect listener base. Well, I'm excited about it and I appreciate all of the advice and and I really enjoyed your presentation today and the opportunity to sit with you today. If you ever need to talk about cleaning barns on your show, I'm a horse husband. I have cleaned a million stalls. I can tell you. Then I'm I'm definitely going to look you up. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find out more about you and your business? Well, you can go to elegancecleaningservice.com. Of course, we're on Facebook. We've got a couple of Facebook pages. I'm uh, Renika Richardson or Renika Rich at Twitter and uh, Renika Richardson on Facebook. And I'm, I've got a book coming out in the next six months that'll be published. It's called How to Conquer Your Fears and Get Rich. So look forward to that. And uh, you guys can find that on the website as well. When you get, put your show out, you let me know. I want to listen to it. Done. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. We appreciate it. So we're going to uh, bring this back over to you, Glenn. Glenn, you shared a story about horse. In the oh, very beginning of your Scooter. presentation, let's talk about Scooter for Scooter's a little bit. the most famous member of the Horse Radio Network. He is uh, more popular than any of us will ever be. Scooter was a rescue horse. My wife said, you're three years into this Horse Radio Network thing. You have tens of thousands of listeners. You've got to own a horse because I hadn't owned one for a while. And so we went out looking for a little carriage horse. I drive uh, carriages. And we went and saw two that day. We went to Craigslist because that's where everybody finds quality. And so we went to, <laughs> Clearly. to Craigslist. And we saw these two ponies. We went out and looked at the pony. The first one was fat and happy and well-trained and broke. And I said, let's take this one. It's 500 bucks sold. I have the cash in my pocket. Let's take it home. We had the trailer hooked up. And my wife said, no, I have an appointment with another one. We have to go see both. We have to compare. And I was like, they have a practical one, right? So I, we went out to the next one, drove a freaking hour to get there in the middle of nowhere, Florida. We pull into this really a dump of a farm. And these poor people could not feed their horses. The Humane Society had just been there. We go out in the field with this pony we're looking at. He's out with the goats because he doesn't get along with the other horses. And he, we saw the picture of him. He was near dead. He was skinny as a rail. There was no fat left at all. You know, the picture just describes it all. He was about, we thought he was going to die on the trailer on the way home. And my wife looked at me and said, well, which one do you think we should take? I said, the fat, happy one. We (laughs) We were just that. And she said, no, you know what you have to do because the listeners, it's good for this horse. We have to rescue this horse. And the listeners are going to live this journey with you. And so that's what we did. We took that horse home. We got the vet out right away. And the vet said, I'm not sure this horse is going to make it a week. And I said, well, he's going to make it a week with us loving him and happy and with food. I'm tearing up now because it was so emotional. And two years later, he's a fat, happy pony. And the listeners love Scooter. That video I showed has almost 3 million views now. Incredible. Yep. Yeah, of, of him rolling in the water, of all things. And it just went viral, and they just love Scooter. So anytime I post a, th- a thing about Scooter, it just goes crazy with the listeners. Can I tell you about one of my coolest memories, though, from the Horse Radio Network? Please do. We've done 4,000 shows. We got a call one day from Graceland, Elvis's home. 
And they said, you know, Elvis had horses, but nobody knows that. We still have horses here. And we want Elvis loved horses. It was one of his favorite things to do. And she said, I'd like you to come to Graceland and do one of your radio shows at Graceland. Oh, wow. We went to Graceland. They brought us in the day before. They gave us a private tour of everything. We got to see the bedrooms and the whole works at Elvis's house. We got to meet all the horses that are still there. We got to go out in the barn. They ran a network cable from the house to the barn, about a half a mile to the barn. We set up our setup to do our live show that morning in the aisle of the barn with the horses in the stalls behind us. They got the lady who took care of Elvis's horses 30 years ago when he was alive, his barn manager. She came in, she was in her 70s, and she told stories for an hour and a half about Elvis and his horses. Unbelievable. I had goosebumps the entire hour and a half. It was the coolest thing ever. Would you be willing to share a specific yeah, Elvis story oh, with yeah, his horse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved his horses, but he was freaking crazy. Okay, he was I, I, nuts. You know, <laughs> there you go. He would get up in the middle of the night, all hyped up because he couldn't sleep. He was an yeah. insomniac. He just couldn't sleep ever. So he'd get up at three in the morning. He'd wake his entire staff up because for some reason they all slept on the couches and stuff. I don't know where they slept in that house. But he'd wake the entire staff up and he'd say, "We're going shopping for horses." They'd all get in cars and they'd drive around the country there in Tennessee. And when he'd see a horse he liked, he'd go knock on their farmhouse door at three in the morning with the whole gaggle of his staff. And he'd say, I want to buy your horse. How much? And of course, you know, they all knew Elvis at that point. Yeah. And uh, they were like, they'd always raise the price. He paid obnoxious amounts of money for horses and he'd bring cash and he'd pay him cash. He had the trailer. He'd load their horse at three in the morning and he'd take it home. He collected a hundred horses that way. Wow. <laughs> that seems ridiculous, but. <laughs> I mean, it's the most bizarre stuff. It is the most bizarre. We just did one more. Yeah, I love please. this story too. <laughs> We just did a show. We got invited to come to Disney World because they have yeah, a lot of horses. Yeah, that's awesome, by the way. Yeah, they have a lot of horses there. And Walt Disney was a huge horse guy back in the 1950s. So they came, brought us in a day before. They took us on a private trail ride around. Then they took us on a carriage ride around. We got to meet all the horses. I mean, every one of them. And then this lady who runs the barn has a scrapbook, Walt's original scrapbook of his horse life. It's pic- original pictures of Walt and his horses and the things he did and the building of Disneyland and how the horses were involved in the building of Disneyland way, way back. And she went through for two hours telling Walt stories of his horses. I almost cried at the end of that. I wow. really did. And she said, I, nobody ever cared about this before you guys showed up. And she just went on and on. She was so proud of having these original pictures of Walt and telling the Walt stories. He really wanted a circus at Disneyland when it first started. He wanted elephants. He wanted giraffes. And they did have a lot of that when it first started. They phased it out over the years. But the horses are still there. He used to show horses. And he's just passionate about horses of all kinds. And so we, we did our live show from there. When we did our 12-hour radiothon, guess who called us? They called us from Walt Disney World to wish us a Merry Christmas from Mickey Mouse. That was the coolest thing ever. You know, I'm sitting here listening. You get all these amazing opportunities like a live recording from your from Graceland from Disney all from the idea of you sharing a podcast about horses passion which is horses which is phenomenal the, the name of the show is starve the doubts and so Glenn when you think of starving the doubts what is what does that mean to you you can't let them get in we all have doubts you know some of the most outgoing people some of the most confident people are really very insecure underneath and that's me before i go on stage every time even before i do a show even though i've done so many of them used to be an actor. I used to have to drink a strawberry daiquiri before I went on stage. That was one of the rules when we did shows is they have had a strawberry daiquiri there for me. I didn't have one this morning. I probably should have. But, um, you know, we're, we're very insecure too. You cannot let that get in the way. You have to push through that because you're not going to succeed in anything you're doing, no matter what it is, unless you truly starve those doubts. And, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We still don't. 
the podcasting world, we're making this up as we go. We're trying to figure it out what works and what doesn't. And what works for me doesn't work for other people, but vice versa. You've got to just starve those doubts and keep on going and keep trucking. Don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to change what you're doing and tweak it along the way. Just don't let the doubts get in because the doubts never go away. Do they, Jared? They don't. Uh, you mentioned how this morning even you were kind of like apprehensive going yeah. into your talk. What's another example of where you, uh, specifically to your business, where you had to just like have courage and not listen to any of those uh, self-doubt and move forward and how that played out? You know, in the beginning when we had no listeners, you know, like everybody starts a podcast, you know, very few start with any listeners. So in the beginning when we had no listeners, you know, it's Helene and I, my co-host, and we're there a year in and we still didn't, there she is right now sitting right down here. Helena just walked in. So we're, you know, we're a year in and we had doubts. We still have doubts. You know, every day, every week we talk to each other and we do a show. He's talking about starving the doubts. That's the name of his show. And, you know, how do you overcome the doubts? You never, every, you have doubts your entire life, but you can't let them control you. That's the thing. And we've had this conversation many times over the last eight years, you know, talking to each other every week. When you have horse, talk about having horses and how the doubts come in and how horses affect that. Helene, yeah, introduce yourself real quick and then if you'd be willing to answer that question. Hi, I'm Helena B. and I'm Glenn's co-host on the Stable Scoop Radio Show. And I've been doing this with you for almost nine years now. And um, you might hear a lot of confidence in my voice today. That was not even existent two, three, five years ago. But it is. It's about confidence. How do you get rid of the doubt? You said it. Drip, 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 drip. Whether it's trying to find sponsors or whether it's sitting in front of the microphone every week, right? I mean, how do you get rid of the doubt? You just keep doing it. There are how many times one, of our, one or the other of us every week have said, I can't do this today. I'm not feeling it today. And the other one says, you can. And once you start, you're in it. You push through the doubt. But you know, having a partner there to help you, whether it's your wife, your spouse, your co-host, whatever it is, right? Absolutely. And, but having a co-host is great. Having a team, having feedback, being willing to open yourself up to a feedback loop and being able to hear the truth. So if my voice is high pitched, like I tell Glenn all the time, I can't even listen to our shows because I'm so... Im- None of my hosts listen to the I'm show. so like mortified to hear my own voice and where I might mess up. But you have to be willing to listen to that feedback loop and whether it's from someone, whether it's from an audience member. Do you remember what our first review was eight years ago on iTunes for Stable Scoop? No, I it, probably shut it out. No, it was the guy sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that was my first review was the guy sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's talk for a moment when you did press through and you dripped or whatever you want to call it and something didn't quite work the way you wanted. How did you adjust to that? Can you give a specific example? I've had, I say a lot of things on the air that I, that just come out of the top of my head. And she's very Italian. I'm very Italian. I, I really don't have much of a filter. But I think I said something that was that a lot of people didn't agree with. And it was in the horse world, which tends to be fairly judgmental at times. And somebody called me out on it. Actually, you know what it was? It was the carriage driving yep, thing. Yeah. Which we disagree on. Which we yeah. disagree on. So this is a, a you know thing about horses and humane treatment. And um, I had to learn how to accept the fact that people were going to disagree with what I had to say and they were going to be vocal about it and that they were not going to be very kind because like me, they're just as passionate about the topic, the content. So whatever I'm talking about, I might be passionate about it, but the people who are hearing it are passionate about it as well. So that gave me a degree of humility that was above and beyond just being afraid, beyond doubt. It wasn't just doubt. It was, there's, you're really connecting to people out there. There's an authenticity in the 
relationship that you're building with these people and you have to respect what they have to say, the passion that's behind what they're saying. Eric Glenn, you shared a story about a doctor's office and the oh, waiting yeah. room. I think it'd be really nice to kind of start to wrap things up by sharing that story, if you would. You want me to read it? You can read it if you like. God, I don't know if I can get through it again. No, you can get through up it. On this this stuff. Let's see here. So we have a listener in Manhattan, of all places, who is a horse person. Her and her husband are cancer doctors for children, pediatric cancer doctors. What a tough job, right? And she plays our live show in her waiting room every morning. I think she's trying to torture the children, but that's <laughs> beyond, you know, it's beyond the question. She loves our show. She listens every day. They listen live. And, you know, she said it all in a note she sent me right before I went up today. And it, that was tough because she sent me this note on Facebook. She said, I feel the need to PM you to wish you well with your keynote speech. You are always so self-deprecating and I am on the shows. I realize that as a doctor, I change people's lives, but you don't realize that you change people's lives too. Your podcasts are fun, entertaining. Notice what word she used first. Fun, entertaining, educational, informational, and unique. That's how you change people's lives. We sometimes forget when we're talking to each other on a show, when Helene and I are just having a good time, right? We forget that people are listening and that the things we're saying, somebody may be having the worst day in the world and we just made their day. and Or they're at work and it's, they're just in the middle of their day and it's awful and we make their day. And we forget that we affect people's lives with what we do. And we have to take that responsibility seriously because we are affecting people's lives or they wouldn't keep listening. You too, especially with your show. You've known Glenn for a long time. So when you hear that, what comes to mind when you hear that? It's a stark reminder that we are impacting people's lives. Like we do sometimes forget. You get wrapped up in your own life, whether it's running a business or taking care of your children or your horses or trying to make money with your podcast. You kind of get caught up in that. And again, it comes back to that feedback loop is you are impacting people. This is why you do it, though. And so there's the core. That's the essence of doing what you do, of your passion. As the days go by and you're putting out more broadcasts, things get layered on top of that. These responsibilities, the sponsors. The The bigger you get. Yeah. Yeah. I have the flu, but I have to put a show out today. And so when you get feedback from your listeners like this, it peels away those layers, those everyday layers of, problems and stress, and it brings you back down to the core of what you do. And that is the food that will feed you to get up the next day and do another show and be proud of it. I love how the show's called Star of the Doubts, but then you talk about how you can actually feed yourself. <laughs> so we start <laughs> the doubts, but we feed ourselves with these other great things. I like to close with two questions, uh, Glenn. The first one, of course, is how can people connect with you online? Horseradionetwork.com. Horseradionetwork.com. And then the last question is, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, just get out there and do it. You know. We all have doubts every day. Every day you wake up, you're going to have doubts. It's whether you let them control your life. You cannot let them control your life. You just have to plow through it. Fake it if you have to. Fake it. Get up. I'm an actor. You get up and you be an actor that day. You say, I don't have any problems in the world today. I'm going to put that out of my mind and I'm going to fake it. And you know what? You fake it long enough, you're going to be through the doubts. The doubts are gone. You just keep faking it till you make it. You know that saying? I cannot say it enough. You fake it till you make it. And that's what all of us have to do every day. Well said. Thank you, of course, to Helena. And do you, Helena, have, any, do you have any final stable thoughts? Stablescoop.com. Stablescoop.com. You can, we're, we're out there every week, yep. right? Yeah. And we've never missed a week, ever. Uh, there's a saying in the horse world, which is fake it till you make it. What does that mean? It's not really faking it. It's just that little nugget of food to get you through to the next day. Because the more you do it, the more you'll believe in yourself. 
And the more you believe in yourself, it will snowball into something that's real and powerful. Oh, that's applicable no matter where you're at. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, thank you, Glenn the Geek from HorseRadioNetwork.com. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, chatting again soon, I'm sure. But thank you so much for everything. No problem. There's a saying in the horse world, which is fake it till you make it. What does that mean? It's not really faking it. It's just that little nugget of food to get you through to the next day. Because the more you do it, the more you'll believe in yourself. And the more you believe in yourself, it will snowball into something that's real and powerful.